Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Well, my assignment today is to talk about three dimensions of giving. Three dimensions of giving. Hallelujah. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to take a macro approach, approach before we get to the micro uh, of, of the assignment today. I don't know if anybody's been to Golden Corral before. And if we're just transparent and honest, when you walk into a buffet, well, for me, I can't put this conviction on everybody. My eyeballs go to dessert first. You know, the flowing fountain of chocolate. The strawberries. You know, you're looking at the variety, you know, but we realize, right, that we have to do what? Eat some substance first before we can get to the dessert, right? And like I said, if we're being transparent, if you're at a buffet, really, you know, the first round is just to get accustomed to what they have. So my plate has a wide variety of food on it. And then I specialize after that. When I get back to the second or third round, I found what do I really like, right? So that's the approach today. We're going to kind of go macro to micro as we get into giving. First scripture I want to launch out to, though, is in John chapter, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14. Write this down. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and the end then will come. The gospel of the kingdom, the word gospel means good news. Everybody say good news. Say it again, good news. So it's the good news of the kingdom of God. God has a plan for you. Thank God for heaven, it's a reality. Thank God for salvation, it's a reality. When I talk about salvation, the redemptive work that takes place when uh, your dead spirit man becomes uh, made alive because you've received Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord and Savior, into your life, and you know what? You become a brand new creation. But that's just the start of a journey on earth with him. If you read in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you always see that God works through a man or a woman. It's just not about one moment in time that you connect with him. Connect with him. It's constant connection with him because he has a plan in the earth for you. So even like desserts, the last thing we do at the Golden Corral, there's a, there's a whole thing we've got to back up to, right, to lead up to where we're going. Same thing with thank God for the reality of heaven, but God wants us to back up today and understand there's steps, there's order, there's destiny for your life. And we need to walk out the plan and the purpose for God. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. John chapter 10, verse number 10. And what Brittany, uh, I saw her looking through her Bible. I said, you got something? She said, yes. So she came up here and gave a prophetic utterance uh, during worship. But the word abundance came up and I knew it was right on. uh, Because John 10, 10 is what she really quoted And the Bible says this from the New King James Version in John 10, 10. The thief does not come to steal, uh, except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. 
The Amplified Bible says it like this. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in the abundance to the full till it overflows. The New Living Translation says it like this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. It's the good news of the kingdom. God wants you to have an overflowing life. He wants you to have an abundant life. What is an abundant life? I'm going to give you four things that an abundant life is comprised of. Number one, if you're taking notes, first thing the abundant life is, is this. All your needs are met. All of your needs are met. Philippians chapter four, verse number 19 says this. My God shall supply what all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The 20th century translation says that same verse like this. He will fully satisfy, not partially, he'll fully satisfy your every need through your union with him. Are you staying united with God? That'll bring you complete satisfaction. The things of the world will never bring, bring you complete satisfaction, but your union with Christ will fully satisfy your every need. So number one, abundant life, all your needs are met. Number two, an abundant life is this, a life full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We get that from Romans chapter 14, verse number 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So abundant life is a life that's living righteously. You know, God has principles, standards, and laws in his kingdom. Much like America, guess what? We have laws. When you leave here today, there's going to be a speed limit. There's going to be some lines on the road, right? There's going to be some red lights, some green lights. Yellow lights doesn't, does not mean go really fast, but there are yellow lights. What is that? Those are standards that what? The, the Department of Motor Vehicles has put in place for safety. God gives us laws and principles for our safety, for our blessing, and for our benefit. And he wants you to live righteously. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his character and his attitude towards life. My righteousness doesn't come from the standard or the definition of what America says or anybody else says. My standard of, of living comes from the word of God. So when I'm, when I'm acting in accordance with and in obedience to this word, I'm living a righteous life. And that's an abundant life. Oh, secondly, full of peace. Thank God you don't have to be disturbed, annoyed, frustrated, aggravated, down, depressed, you know, broke, disgusted, and busted. You can have peace in life. No matter what the circumstances are, Jesus was, was with his disciples on a boat one time. He said, we're going to the other side. In the middle of, of, of the journey, uh, they, they ran into some circumstances. And Jesus, because he's full of peace, was sleeping on the boat. Well, the disciples were in freakout mode, saying, what are we going to do? Jesus said, I already told you what we're going to do. We're going to the 
other side. But in the middle of that, he had peace enough to take a nap in the middle of any kind of situation, right? So an abundant life has righteousness, it has peace, and it has joy. Hallelujah. Joy is on the inside of you. Happenings or happiness is external. Joy is on the inside. Happiness has to do on, with happenings. And you happy as long as it's happening. If that's good English. But joy, anytime you can tap into joy, it's a reservoir on the inside. James 1 says it this way, count it all joy when you come into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing, the testing of your faith produces patience. You know, resistance makes you stronger. Sometimes in the middle of great circumstances and situations, you need a faith laugh. Ha, ha, ha. This isn't a laughing moment, but I got joy on the inside. And the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror, so no matter what's going on right now, let me exercise some faith and just say, ha, ha, ha. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. This is an abundant life. Did you know that Jesus said it's expedient that I go away? Because if I go away... And I'm ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to send another one just like me. You see, Jesus was limited in his earthly walk and location. He was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. And he could only be in one place at one time. But he said, when I go to the throne, I can pour out the Holy Ghost into anybody that calls on my name. And the Holy Spirit, guess what? He's a God. He's a counselor. Pastor Marcus said this, I think, on Wednesday night. You don't have to worry about decisions in the kingdom of God. All you have to do is tap into the Holy Spirit. He'll help you decide what's right and what's wrong. Romans 8, 14 says this, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are you being led daily? Jesus so loved you, not only did he provide um, a way into heaven, but he provided abundant life now. And a part of that abundance is I'm pouring out my spirit on you, and he can guide and direct you daily. Hallelujah. I remember some time ago when we moved to St. Augustine, we took the trolley tour. And on that tour, they had a guide. He knew where the stops were, knew where we were going. Along the way, he gave us a lot of uh, information and history about St. Augustine. Why am I telling you this? Because the Holy Spirit, he's the guide. He'll help you along the way. Get on the Holy Spirit trolley. Right? Don't try to walk through life by yourself. Watch the trolley go by and say, why am I struggling? Get on the Holy Ghost trolley. He will, he'll say, get on with me. Right? I'll teach you things. I'll show you things to come. I will guide and direct you. Some of us are missing in life and not fully satisfied because we're not tapping into the person of the Holy Spirit. Really, we, we call this the disposition, uh, disposition of grace, but really it's the dispensation of the Holy Ghost in the new covenant that we have him to direct us. So number one, all my needs are met. Number two, an abundant life is a life full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
Number three to the abundant life is this, a well-balanced life in all six areas. A well-balanced life. Communication is the basis of life. Exchange is the process of life. And balance is the key to life. Proverbs said a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. So well-balanced in all six areas. What are the six areas? Spirit, soul, body, family, economics, and social. I'll say it again. Six areas of life that affect all of us. You know, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he cared about you so much, he wanted you to be effective in all six areas. Just not about when you get to heaven, but life now with him, led by the Holy Spirit, affecting spirit, soul, body, family, economics, and social. Habakkuk 2.2 says this, right? The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who runs, uh, that he may run who reads it. I believe strongly, I'll say it this way, I'm convicted and convinced that all of us need goals in life. And goals are G-O-A-L-S, godly objectives assure lasting success. They're not my goals. They're his desires that's being fulfilled in my life. It's tapping into the throne and saying, God, what is your goals for me? And I need goals that are well-balanced in all six areas of life, spirit, soul, body, family, economically, and socially. Um, spiritually, obviously, that's my journey with the Lord began in 1997 in Columbus, Ohio. Hallelujah. I was going, I grew up Catholic, went to parochial school till I was in eighth grade, begged my parents to let me go to public school. Through all the great supplication that I did, they allowed me to do that. So all I knew was a lot of motion, but not God. What I mean, when I went to church, it felt like I was on a, on a merry-go-round. There was a lot of activity, but I wasn't going anywhere. But man, when I got invited, um, by a friend to go to the Vineyard Church in Columbus, Ohio. Very, very different from the Catholic Church. There was no stained glass windows. It wasn't a 45-minute service. Amen? Um, it wasn't as methodical. Just different, just observations I'm telling you about. Uh, but when I went to the Vineyard, matter of fact, they had retractable basketball goals up in the ceiling because they're, they're uh, their, their sanctuary was a, a gymatorium, we'll say. Where during the week they could have community outreaches and, you know, play basketball in the same place they worship on Sunday. Uh, but there, um, you know, I gave my life to the Lord and my journey began with Jesus. And I just knew in my spirit, man, I'm talking about spiritual goals. Nobody told me, nobody probed me, nobody, um, you know, um, was on me. I just knew I needed to be at church. And thank God for the vineyard. I started there, but there was another guy I was working with at Worthington Steel at the time. I was a college temporary there that invited me to church he went to. So I said, let me go check this out. And that was Raymond Christian Center in Columbus, Ohio with a Apostle Lafayette Scales, which some of you know. He comes to the Kingdom Rise uh, Conference often. But that's where my 
That's where I really got connected at. I got water baptized there. We're doing water baptism today. So 1997, I said, man, I want to get baptized. You know, I got baptized there. I remember sitting there just taking notes, just absorbing it all. And that's my prayer for you. You're just like a sponge today, taking in the word of God. Have you lost that hunger or is it still there? Man, I had a little uh, Honda Civic at that time. You know, I'd have my index cards with scriptures written on them. I'd have, I had a cassette player back then. I have Ron Cannoli going in my Honda Civic, right? I'd be at church every Sunday. Got some Ron Cannoli fans every Wednesday. Nobody told me. I just knew I need to be there. You know, that's, that's been one of my greatest successes is just being at church. I was thinking about that the other day. God has, has been faithful. God is faithful. He's always, no matter if I'm Columbus, Ohio, planting me at Ramah Christian, I just, I just went there. I just knew I needed to be there, was faithful. Then in 1998, I knew I needed to go to Bible school, so I went out to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, just stay submitted there while I went through two years of school and uh, went to church there every Sunday, every Wednesday. And then when God said it's time to go, my wife and I moved here in 2004. So I've been in three churches since 1997, but I've been in church. So it's up to you. Psalms 92 says those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. No flourishing if you ain't planted. So let me say this. If you're a first-time guest, if this isn't the church, there is a church. But the standard is God said in Ephesians chapter 4, I've given the fivefold ministry for the equipping of saints for the work of the ministry so the body of Christ will be edified. So it's important to have a good pastor in your life that's preaching truth from the word of God. Amen. Prayer is another spiritual goal, right? All of us should be praying. Hallelujah. And praying is just not always asking for things. Prayer is spending time in God, the father's presence. Just saying, daddy, I want to love on you for a while. I want to take time with you. Prayer could be interceding for other people. Prayer could be supplicating for other people. Prayer could be casting all your cares and concerns on the Lord. I know these thoughts are coming, but Lord, I'm giving them to you, trusting you to work everything out. Just give me wisdom in this situation, Father. I'm not going to worry. I want wisdom. Wisdom triumphs worry. Father, give me wisdom to overcome any situation in life. I'm not going to worry. So these are spiritual goals. What are your spiritual goals? Reading the word of God. Are you in the Bible every day? It's not about checking a box. Just to say I completed my daily Bible reading. This this is about a love relationship with God. Listen, if you like somebody, guess what? You talk to them. Right? You spend time with them. Come on, all of you dated before, right? You know, sometimes when you're talking to the other, the other person, you're trying to go after, you'll even fall asleep on the phone. Right? But how much more God should we go after him? That, your daily Bible reading is you pursuing and saying, God, I want you more than anything else in life. I want to develop this relationship. So we need to be well-bound spiritually, right? And what I mean by that, we need, we need to be committed to church attendance, We need to be committed to a a daily devotional reading. We need to be committed to prayer. That's just basic fundamentals to grow. And these are in order. So spirit man becomes before soul. Your soul is your mind, what you think, 
Your will, what you choose, and your emotions, what you feel. Your soul is comprised. I believe there's a threefold nature uh, class coming up too uh, that you can register for. They'll go more in depth on this, but uh, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. All right. And the soul, you can have soul goals, right? Your mind is part of your soul. That's like a muscle and it needs exercise, right? So reading is a good way to exercise your soul. I like getting good godly books and chewing on them. They're supplements. We talked about macro and micro. The Bible is my meat and potatoes. But a good, a good Christian book could be like some multivitamins, some desiccated beef liver tablets. They're like, what is that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm not trying to make you take what I take. I like desiccated beef liver tablets because I don't like to eat liver. But in a pill form, I'm all for it. Many good B vitamins and a great amino acid profile. I feel like I should be advertising something right now. But it's a supplement. I can't live off of those. I need what? Substance. I get substance from the word, but I can get supplements from a good book, right? Your soul, too, you got to learn how to cast your worries, which this blends together. You could be thinking and thinking. You could be thinking on the wrong thing. You, you know, your mind meditates, right? And so you got to have goals like, okay, if I'm, if I'm struggling in this area, what scripture can I go to to help alleviate that pressure in my soul? Your emotions. You're going to have emotions in life. Ephesians chapter 4 says, be angry. But sin not. So the Bible says you're going to have an emotion of anger from time to time. But that anger doesn't dominate me. I got to share with my girls yesterday. I was heading back from the airport. I took a team of four uh, to Orlando yesterday that are going to camp meeting. Uh, Chase, which is actually mentioned on Tuesday night, Pastor Earl's son. He got invited to minister of youth at camp meeting. So that's a huge honor, yeah? So pray for him. And his wife, obviously, Alyssa, is going to support him. And then we have our... uh, I call him MacGyver Bradley, Gilda House. He's our IT guy. He can take a paper clip and make an airplane out of it. He's just really awesome. And then, uh, and then uh, we have Pastor Marcus, obviously our worship pastor that went with him. But on the way back, I was in the far right lane. And um, sometimes I think there's a sign on my vehicle that says, you know, just get as close as you can to me. <laughs> and ride my butt. So I'm, I'm going to confess my fault to you. Um, I'm, I'm coming back, and, um, and this guy's right on my tail, man. And I'm in the, I'm in the far right lane. And I kind of got in the flesh. I'm like, golly, why is he riding my tail? So I had my wife's car. You know, my car's only got like four cylinders, but hers has got eight, about 305 horsepower. So I gunned it. <laughs> got in the middle lane, got in the far lane. And then I'm like, where'd that guy go? I was looking, I was looking because he was in the, in, the, you know, in the other lane. He was trying to get around people, right? I was like, yeah, I showed him, you know, and I couldn't find him, but he was in my blind. I started getting back in the center section, and he was like five, in- I mean, he got on purpose like five inches from me. And I said, thank God. I mean, he did it on purpose, you know? And boy, oh boy. <laughs> there was a conversation going on in my mind. Um, I let him go out in front of me. My flesh wanted to hit that little pedal on the right. 
you know, just get up next to him. But I, you know what? The Bible said, be angry, but don't sin. I said, no, curl sick. Self-control. I got back in the far right lane. Got back because I, I like doing, I like, if, you, if anybody, my wife can testify, I, I like setting the cruise control on US-1. They joke about it, but it's righteous, you know. It's an abundant life. Righteousness. I had a deodorant stick on my bumper one time, hit a speed bump so slow, I went backwards, it didn't fall off my bumper. Right? That's righteousness. Hallelujah. So soul goals, though, I was able to control myself. I didn't have to flesh out. Did I have emotions? Sure. I wanted to tell them something, like, you know, but I, I stay controlled. I'm like, don't you know I will crush you? Do you know who I am? No. You know, a, a greater step spiritually, I should have prayed for him. And I've done that before in situations like that. I didn't do it yesterday where, Lord, they're obviously in a rush. I don't know if they do know you or don't, but man, life is too short for them to be dying doing something stupid like that right now. So I pray for angels around them, right? So we need spirit goals. We need soul goals. We need body goals too. This, this is the temple that carries around or houses your spirit, man, right? And so you need goals for your body and uh, you need to take care of yourself. Obviously, uh, soul goals are staying worry-free. You know, that affects your body when you stay worry-free, when you're not um, overly anxious about something. Um, when you're super worried about something, that could create uh, some detrimental things to your health, right? Uh, but body goals, you know, and these aren't, these aren't to put a yoke on you, but um, I saw Bill McDowell. I'm going to call you out, Bill, at Publix the other night. He was looking at my buggy. He didn't have a buggy, but I was looking in his hands. So we had a moment. I'll just be real. I was looking at the little Debbies in his hand. And this week, by the way, at Publix, Mayfield is buy one, get one free. He was looking at the ice cream in my buggy. Why am I saying this? Because body goals. If you eat little Debbies all the time, you're going to be a little... Fat Debbie. <laughs> so some people could put so much emphasis on the body, they forget about the soul and the spirit. It doesn't matter if I bench 400 and I'm going to hell. But if I understand because of God, there's some things I can do with my mind, will, and emotions. There's some goals. There's some things I can do with my body that's going to help. Right? Because we're, we're stewards, which means we don't own what we possess. We only steward it. So God gave you this body. That's why cigarettes shouldn't dominate you. Alcohol shouldn't dominate you. Right? So body goals. Uh, family goals are important too, you know. Investing in family. I believe God puts a premium on a good parenting and a strong relationship between a husband and a wife. And, uh, you know, we need to set calendar dates for date nights uh, family nights, vacations, devotionals, different things like that. Uh, economically, we need to have goals too, amen? 
And these are, these are with God, not apart from God. And socially, we need to have goals. I'm going to back up to number three in a second. I want to get to the fourth thing that comprises an abundant life. And then we're going to get to some specifics from number three. Amen. The fourth thing of an abundant life is a life full of purpose. A life full of purpose. Second Timothy chapter one, verse number nine says this. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So this verse says that he saved us and he called us with a holy calling according not to our works, but according to his purpose. So an abundant life has the purpose of God in it. What is God's purpose for your life? Because that's part of living an abundant life. Hallelujah. That being said, I want to really key on from point number three of an abundant life on the six areas, the the, uh, fifth area, which is economics, because we're talking about three dimensions of giving. Amen. And I want to look at your life in in three areas of giving or three dimensions. Number one, because when we talk about giving to God, there's always a return on what you sow into the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19 says this. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So God has given us kingdom keys to overcome, and one of these is economics to overcome. You know, God wants you blessed. You know that poverty doesn't keep you humble. Humility, humility is an attitude of the heart. You know, God wants you to increase and be blessed. God wants you to overflow with resources. God wants you to have a more than enough for every good work. The thing is, are you lining up with the keys or the truths in God's word to allow the flow to come in. All of God's promises are conditional. What I mean, you have to meet the qualification in order to receive the promise. Right? Yesterday, I could have been angry and not had a promise of God in my life. It could cause a lot of turmoil or wreck, a fight. But guess what? Obedience kept me safe. When I decided to walk in the love of God... And obey his word, it kept me in a safe protection or a safe place, right? So he's given us keys to overcome. There's a laws or laws in the kingdom of God called seed time and harvest. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. So there's a law or a key in the kingdom of God called seed time and harvest. We could also say this way. There's a law of giving and receiving. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 15 says this. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So we see this key in the kingdom. There's seed time and harvest. There's giving and receiving. We're looking at three dimensions of giving. The first one is your time. The first dimension of giving is your time. Listen, all of us have the same amount of time in a day. All of us have the same amount of time in a week. There's 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. What are you doing with your time? You know, we, we're going to get to the last dimension, which is financial giving or what we call treasure. And we talk about tithing, but what about your time? Do you tithe your time? Psalms chapter 90, verse number 12. This is authored by Moses, this psalm. And Moses really lived in three 40-year seasons. He lived to be 120 years old. He spent uh, 40 years um, in Pharaoh's house, 40 years on the backside of a desert, and then 40 years leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, trying to get them to the promised land. But Moses said this in Psalms chapter 90, verse number 12. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Moses realized, I only have so much time on the earth. You realize you only have so much time on the earth. Amen. When you're 18 or 19, you may not be thinking about this too much. But as you get in your 40s, 50s, you know, and I'm sure up in your 60s, 70s, you start thinking about time more. But we need to pray that, Lord, teach us how to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, the J.B. Phillips says it this way. Live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but those that do. Listen to this. Make the best use of your time. About three to four months ago, I had a representative from a, uh, a pretty big company come to me and talk about uh, marketing and advertising and what they can do for the ministry, for the preschool or for Washington Classical Christian School, right? So I'm listening to his spiel, his pitch, his presentation, and uh, it's pretty interesting because what they do is they actually they sell uh, slots. Anybody been on YouTube before and been annoyed when you have to wait five seconds for your thing to pull up, right? I know you could sub subscribe or whatever and bypass all that, but so they did things like that where if you get on something that's uh, streaming or you're looking at something, it throws those advertisements in there, right? You know the scary part about this when he was talking to me? He said that um, and with marketing, we can know if one person at one residence bought a hybrid vehicle and the other one bought a truck. And we could push the hybrid marketing to that house specifically and the truck to that house. I said, wow, 
That's pretty amazing. But in, in the midst of talking with him, he was giving me some statistics of how many people watch cable TV, how many hours per week. And he broke them down from like, you know, 18 to 32, 32 to whatever, 65 plus. And they had, it's amazing, some of the older generation, when I talk in the, the retirees, were 50 plus hours a week of TV. And I don't remember seeing anything less than 40, whether you're streaming, cable, whatever it was, he had different, you know, gra- um, brackets for how people watch their television. That's a lot of time. That's a full-time job. 40 hours a week. Why did I bring that up? Is TV wrong? No, but if you're giving all of your time to that, you know, Pastor Marcy preached a really a passionate sermon on Wednesday um, about your time, really. You know, you can invest. We talk about economic goals. You can invest your time into the kingdom of God and get a reward on your time. But she was talking about being able to, to serve in different areas. I know my wife brought up today that we just got contacted yesterday uh, by Coach Bo about this West Augustine um, Jamboree. Just found out yesterday they're doing August the 13th. And we got a great group of, a great team here at Anchor Faith Church that loves God. And we can assemble fast. Amen. But th- that's time sown into the community. Part of the vision of Anchor Faith Church is to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. It's, it's our time to get out on a Saturday and really, you know, show the love of God uh, with kindness, with compassion, maybe even pray with people, right? But we can just serve. We can give our time in serving, right? Uh, one of the greatest needs in-house during ministry time is children's ministry. It takes a lot of, a lot of uh, volunteers or people serving to staff that on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. But that's time invested, not time wasted. That's time sown that God will, God will honor that. And somehow, even though there's 100, only 168 hours in a week, God can multiply the time back to you. What are you spending your time on? Don't you, we need to know the meaning and the purpose of life, not of those who do not. We need to make the best use of our time. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 5 says this, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. I was thinking about this um, practically coming in today, some people spend our time thinking about the hurt, the pain, the disappointment. Some of us are, are drowning in unforgiveness. Spend a lot of time just maybe frustrated or disappointed, whether with yourself or with other people. Do you think God wants you to spend your time down here on earth? Chewing on that, thinking on that. No, we need, to get, we need to invest our time. How do we do that? Man, if you're having trouble with somebody, what? Forgive them. Whether you have to go to them in person or just in prayer and say, Father, I've been struggling with this. Let it go. Drop it. Release it. Let it go. You don't want to spend 40 years stewing on something. That's a waste of time. Don't ever say I'm killing time. Don't kill time. You invest time. Even if you rest, rest on purpose. Right? We can get out of balance with this too. Well, I just need three hours of a nap per day. I'm just a phlegmatic personality, laid back. 
And, you know, if I don't get my eight hours of sleep, I remember when we were going to Bible school, we had a missionary named Jim Andrews. He, for several, several years, he, he came to Raymond and just taught the missions class. Uh, but he, after graduating Raymond back in probably the early 80s, uh, he went down to Peru, started a church. Uh, but I remember him talking about one time God said, you need to stay up and pray. So he, he did that all through the night. And he said, it's amazing. You know, if you did that, guess what? You think you'd be really tired the next day. He said, it was amazing how quickened I was that next day for the whole day until I went to bed the next night. Then he gave an illustration that one time he tried to stay up on his own. And the next day, guess what? He was flat out exhausted. So what are you doing with your time? You know, if God's asking you to stay up and pray, and that's the unction, then you do it. Guess what? God's going to provide. He's going to multiply that time back to you because you're investing time into the kingdom of God. Are you investing time into your family or just chasing the corporate ladder? There was a book um, that I heard of years ago uh, talking about climbing the, I'll call the American gospel, the ladder of success. It said, uh, don't worry about your spouse or your kids. Just try to get the title and the fame. You can always get a new spouse and kids. That's a waste of time. That's the gospel of the devil. That's not how the kingdom operates, right? So we don't want to be just aiming for, can God increase you and give you promotion? Yeah, but I want to come through the hands of the master, not my self-effort, right? So time, we all can invest time. Secondly, your talent. We're talking about three dimensions of giving. You can sow time and reap time. You can give time and receive time. Your talents is the gifts that God has bestowed on you to be a blessing and a benefit to the world. Your talents, what I, when I mean by talents, it's gifts that God's put on the inside. You realize gifts are not for you, they're for others. Listen, I'm, I don't have a gift of baking. So I'm not going to try to honor you with muffins. Now, thank God for Miss Stacy there. She's got a gift of making cupcakes, and they're a blessing. And they're, I guess they're a benefit if you can cast the calories out of them, right? But there's a gift there, right? But what, what has God put on the inside of you that you can release to the world? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 6 says this, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Sometimes that gift can get dormant through discouragement, uh, depression, uh, anger, frustration, unforgiveness. But Paul told Timothy, there's a gift on the inside of you. Stir it up. I'm telling the church at Anchor Faith, uh, telling you at Anchor Faith Church this morning, there's a gift on the inside of you. You realize in Psalms 139, King David said that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not another person like you today on the planet. You are unique. Nobody else has your fingerprint, right? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Quit trying to be somebody else, which is a work of the flesh called emulations. You be you. You are the way you are because of why you are. You're built in a certain way. Thank God for this, the sanguines out there that are the life of the party, like, like, like uh, Peter, man. He would jump out of the boat, man. Jesus, is that you? 
The other 11 stayed back. You know, we may have some accounting mindsets in the boat that are thinking, okay, if I step on the water, right? Thank God for the melancholy people that are detailed, the administrative people, right? Uh, the phlegmatic people, a little more laid back, right? Thank God for those that are high driven, need to get around. Some people know how to rest and relax every once in a while because balance is the key to life. Well, I'm just going to go and I'll rest when I get to heaven. Well, you're going to die early. Even Jesus told his disciples come apart for a while because the crowds were so much. Get refreshed, get filled back up, and then let's go back out and serve, right? Some people are like, you know, I'll serve when I feel like it. You got to kind of kick them in the backside and say, no, you need to get out, right? So stir up the gift which is on the inside of you through the laying out of hands. So sometimes it gets dormant on the inside of you. But there's talents in you. There's, there's giftings inside of you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 16 says this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You know, I had a, a B.C. before Christ. I had the, uh, I'd say, you know, the privilege of, of training at a pretty renowned powerlifting gym in Columbus, Ohio, called Westside Barbell, who uh, later... Uh, You know, there's a lot of unsaved. That's a mission field right there. Uh, A few years ago, I was able to take some of our team back up there just to have them experience what a a next level training is about. But when I was there, I got to talk to Louie, who just passed. He's the owner, um, was the owner of the gym and the founder of the gym. He passed away this past year. But at least I was able to go back and try to sow some seed to him. At the time when I was with him prior to 1997, I was not born again or live for God. But when I went back a few years ago, I was. So we tried to give him some money, said, hey, we just want to honor you. I learned about Jesus Christ, and I'm living for him now. And I just want to, he didn't want to charge any money for us to come in the gym. I said, I want to give this to you. He said, I ain't taking that from you. He says, was Jesus rich? I said, yes. He said, no, it was poor. I thought, well, you got some bad doctrine, but I'm not going to argue with you right here. But there at that gym, I learned about a thing. Why am I talking about this? Called GPP and SSP. And GPP was general physical preparedness. And then SSP was sports specific preparation. I'm bringing this up with you for your gifts because a lot of people say, what is my purpose in life or what is my gifting? And I'll approach it the way I learned it because it just I can relate to it there for the spiritual principle of it. If you just do the general assignment, the sports specific will get to you. What I mean by that, number one, my focus in life is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and strength, right? That's my first priority, general preparation. I want to get to know him every day. The apostle Paul said this, that I would know him, that I would know him. I want wisdom and revelation knowledge of my God in heaven. And that's the primary thing every day in just general life. I go after him. Secondly, man, I want to connect with my wife. I want to have heaven on earth in our marriage covenant, not hell on earth. You realize marriage could be the closest thing to heaven or hell you'll have on the planet. Amen. The choice is yours. Another infomercial. Mighty Man 318 starting on (laughs) August the 8th. I see about eight new students coming in, which I'm really excited. I'll be sending out an email this week. Uh, Second, third year students, remember to re-enroll. 
If you're a first-year student that's interested in being a man and growing in the things of God, 7.30 is a launch date. You can uh, register at Guest Relations. It's a three-year journey. And if you're not ready, don't sign up. If you don't want to be challenged, don't sign up. I used to try to get everybody to get in there since we launched this in 2014. But now I say to the guys, if you're even doubting, don't. I don't want attrition. I want you to start and to finish. Jesus is the author and the finisher of faith. But if you want to be a man that rises up, that's a backbone in the house, a backbone in the church, a backbone in the community, why don't you come on this spiritual journey with us because we'll help you grow and develop in the things of God. Because as the man goes, so goes the household. Yes, that's the way we say amen and mighty men. But just in general, you know, loving my wife and then, 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 you know, my children, you know, being a great dad to them. These are just general things. You know that one of the reasons that Abraham was chosen, if you go to Genesis 18, he says, I know him that he will command his household in the ways of righteousness and justice. One of the reasons that God uh, picked out Abraham is because he, he had his house in order. Paul told Timothy, how can you take care of the church of God if your own house isn't in order? So these are just general. From now until I draw my last breath, these are just general purposes. And guess what? If I do that, the sports specific or the specific purposes start to work themselves out. A lot of people try to get to the specific and aren't even doing the general I read a, a book by uh, Ulysses S. Grant several years ago, and he said, I didn't seek the office. The office sought me. And it made me think about it and prepare for this because, man, when you're seeking God, guess what? He, your gift will make room for you. You won't have to seek a title. You won't have to seek a, a position. It'll seek you out when you're doing the general purposes of God. You'll get to the, the specific purposes of God. So don't seek the office. Let the office seek you. If you get yourself there, you have to keep yourself there. If God puts you there, he'll sustain you there. But he has a definitive plan for you. There's gifts on the inside. And you need to be asking, Lord, what is my purpose? What is the plan that you have for me? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts I have for you, the plans I have for you, plans for what? For hope and a future, plans that are good. The Bible says the steps of a good man Ordered by the Lord. It didn't say the sprint. The steps. This life is not a sprint. This life is a marathon. There's going to be seasons where you're walking. There's going to be seasons where you're sprinting. There's going to be some seasons where you feel like you're crawling, but at least continue to make progress. Amen. So you got to ask God, what's the gift on the inside of me? The principle in the kingdom of God is he who's faithful with a little will be faithful with much. You're faithful with your relationship with God. If you're married, you're faithful with your relationship with your spouse. You're faithful in parenting. Guess what? You're faithful in church attendance and in serving the church. Guess what? Things will just open up for you. Just keep trusting and just keep walking out the plan and the purpose of God. The last T is this treasure. So we talked about uh, you can give time. You can give of your talent. But you also can give it your treasure. What's your treasure? Your finances. Hallelujah. The world is fixated on riches. A lot of the drive of the world is solely for money. 
But in the kingdom of God, I want to define something different between besides riches and a term we could call wealth. Because really, the world doesn't have wealth. You get wealth in the kingdom of God. Wealth always includes riches, but riches doesn't always include wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 18 says this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So God said it's part of the covenant for you to get wealth. Wealth, the, really the etymology or the root of wealth means this well-being. You realize you could have riches and be broke in your soul. You could have re- riches and be broke in your body. You could have re- riches and be broke in your mind. But in the kingdom of God, he said, I can give you wealth, which means the blessing the Lord makes rich, but he adds no sorrow with it. I remember seeing years ago uh, an NFL receiver that uh, had millions burnt down his own house mansion to the ground. He had riches, but not wealth. In the kingdom of God, we could have wealth and be well-rounded, right? We could have the riches added to us, but our minds strong, our bodies strong, our spirits strong, and we're on the pathway that God has destined for us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, it says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will what? Be added. So when it Are you a seeker of God? One way you can seek God is by giving to God. Listen, me and my wife, and this isn't to brag, it's just as I've attended church and I've heard truth, uh, we've tithed and been consistent and faithful at tithing. Since 1997. I'm not talking just about the word. I'm talking about we've experienced the word. Now listen, when we started our journey as a husband and wife, we were polar opposites. I was so tight, you needed a crowbar to open my wallet. (laughs) And she was kind of on the other side. You know, God sustained her as a single woman. She had a, a Miata when she went to Ramah. Praise the Lord. Anybody know what a Mazda Miata is? And the, uh, the driver door was stuck, so you couldn't open it. So she had to crawl through the passenger door in that little car to get to the driver's side. But me, being the great man that I am, when I saw the Miata, I popped the engine. I don't, I don't know anything. You know, every man wants to act like they know what they're looking at when they're... Look at those pistons there, baby. I, I knew enough. I knew enough to look at the oil, but... When I say God sustained her, I pulled the dipstick out, and there was no oil on it. God will sustain you. Now, once you have knowledge of a thing, you better follow up. But I said, we need to put some oil in this thing before the engine seizes up. But she had that. I had a 1985 Oldsmobile Calais made of real metal. That thing could derail a train. There wasn't no, no plastic on that thing. But we started out. I was tight. She was... You know, loose, loosey-goosey. She said it, I didn't. She had quite a bit of debt. I didn't have any credit. Um, and so just started our journey really on polar opposites, you know, merging together in the things of God. But we, we started tithing. And, you know, there was, some, there was some tight times coming up through there, you know. But we still gave. 
It didn't matter what the checkbook looked like. I mean, we had to make some sacrifices. Even when we adopted uh, Mike and Jacob, you know, um, um, I remember when we used to go to, got to repent, go to McDonald's. This is many, many moons ago. I mean, we were so tight, we'd say, you can only get four, I don't even know if they have this anymore, four, menu, four items off the dollar menu. Because that's all we can afford. It's probably not a dollar menu anymore because everything has gone up. It's probably a, I don't know, $5 menu now. But, but you know, I remember Brother Hagen telling this, Kenneth E. Hagen, which is Kenneth W. Hagen's dad who founded, you know, you saw him on the video for Camp Meeting. He said this, he said, God doesn't settle up every Friday with payday. But when he settles up, he settles up. So we just kept on tithing, kept on giving, kept on tithing, kept on giving. Didn't matter what the checkbook looked like. And, you know, over the years, I've seen the faithfulness of God. I mean, he's just consistently and systematically increased us. We've been through the lean times but stayed faithful. And, 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 you know, now we have some more abundance. You know, it's used to maybe we could only eat out once every three months. You know, now there could be a little more frequency, but, you know, you're still asking the question, how often should we eat out? But, because you can obviously save money and eat better at the house. So you're trying to steward the money still, you know, be aware of that, even there's some liberty. But my, my thing is this, if you just stay faithful to God, Lord, I know, what's a tithe? A tithe is 10% of your income. So if you make $100, what's 10% of 100? 10. If you make $1,000, what's 10% of 1,000? If you make a million dollars, what's 10% of a million? If you made a billion dollars, what's 10% of a billion? Huh? I don't know. You tell me. Looking for Reverend Randy. He knows the math back there. What is a billion? I'd say 100 million. 100 million. Thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says this. Malachi chapter 3, verses 18, 8 through 10 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring all the tithes. What's the storehouse? It's the place you get fed. You know, you can give offerings to ministries, which is great as God leads you, but really your tithe does not go to somebody you listen to for an hour sermon on, on YouTube. It goes to the storehouse, which is your local body church. It says, bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And God said, try me now. He said, prove me. And it says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive. And I will, listen to this, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Another testimony, God, I was thinking about my car. I got a paid off car. I really don't care about cars in the sense of I don't care what it looks like. I just want to get from point A to point B. But, you know, I thought about this verse the other day. That car's just ran. It's like the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps on going and going with little to no maintenance required. I mean, I do the oil change, but he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Because I'm a tither, guess what? That car just keeps on 
going and going and going. And, I, you know, I'll just, if I want a new car, I'll believe God for it. But, man, that gets me from point A to point B, and I like it. To me, paid-off cars feel like they drive better. I'm not putting that conviction on you, but. But the point is this, it, you know, no, uh, I haven't had major problems with it. any of our vehicles. As we look back over the years, been very few and far between that we've had to do any major maintenance with it. But we're tithers is what I'm saying. And God's no respecter of persons. If you just tap into the economic system of the kingdom of God, you can experience God's best for your life. Now, he said, he said, bring it all to the storehouse. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour it out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. Now, listen to me. When it comes to finances and giving, uh, you need to do your part, but then let God do his part. And I'm going to explain this to you is when you go to work, work hard. Don't be 10 minutes late. Right. Get there five minutes early. Ask God for wisdom. How can I bring solutions to any problem this company's having? Be a Joseph, right? When there was a famine coming, guess what? Joseph, by the wisdom of God, he had solutions. Be active, man. If you can, if you can provide solutions, you always be valuable to the company. So you want to work hard, right? But guess what? That doesn't control everything. That's just like you going out in the field and, and digging up the ground and tilling it and getting all the rocks and all the weeds out. And guess what? You can plant the seed that you want to uh, harvest. But what do you need for that seed to harvest? Water. So you going to work with wisdom and working hard as unto the Lord, because Colossians 3, 23 says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not to man. I'm not going just to please my boss or try to look good in front of him. I'm going to please God Almighty, and I'm going to work hard. But God's saying, if you will bring the tithe into the storehouse, I'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. You can plant the seed, you can till the ground, but I'll bring the rain. And that's one thing you cannot control when it comes to uh, producing fruit is the rain from above. But God said, I can do that. So your tithe allows God to pour rain onto what you're working on in the earth. You know, man was created to work. When I say that mankind, it's good to put your hand to something. But as you tithe, you can believe God for increase. Last point I want to cover as we close. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8 says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And this is the key point. This let each one gives, give as he purposes in his heart, for not a grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I want to encourage you with this as we close. When you give, just don't go through the motions of tithing or giving an offering. Connect your heart to your hand. You know, you should be glad to be able to give to God. It should be a blessing. Say, Father, you've done so much for me. You keep my car running, Lord. I'm just thinking about me. Thank you, Lord. It's easy to give to you. You're such a blessing to me, Father. You know, as you sow, you're going to what? Reap. And God wants to bless you with so much that it's just not for your household, but you could be a blessing to others. That's the covenant God had with Abraham. You're blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. 
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.